Mum, will the planet die before I do? Is a Corner Shop media production presented and produced by Babita Sharma, Katie Glasborough and edited by Nisha Patel. Well, hello to our lovely listeners who are joining us today for our wrap up of series one of Mum, Will the Planet Die Before I Do? And it's very funny for Babs and I to be um, doing this conversation because we've known each other for a very long time and it's been a lovely um, experience doing this <laughs> Tell the truth. with my friends. <laughs> It's been, a, it's been, yeah, do you know what, it has been an incredible experience. It's been difficult at times as well, because, um, gosh, I can't believe that we've done series one, which is really, you know, hats off to us, I'd say, and to the team and to Nisha, who's editing all of this and everyone's put this together, because um, it's been a labour of love, hasn't it? And it's been very funny for me, knowing you so well, and on our Zoom recordings, watching your face and watching how you have been experiencing interviews and how I think I'm experiencing interviews and I think all of those things that we've learned from the amazing guests that we've spoken to seeing your reactions as well when we've been blown away by when we've said it on the podcast we've been blown away by people but you know it has been lovely for me also to go through this journey which is so difficult for me as a parent trying to understand how to parent in the climate crisis and having your face there oh. on the Zoom and having you, you know, stop with stop now because everyone's going to be listening to this. Go. No, I mean um, it's hard. These are hard conversations. These are, you know, we didn't go into this thinking this was going to be easy. We went into this thinking these conversations aren't being had, mm. um, and they're not being had. Um, and I'm really, really proud that we've had them. It's been quite hard. It's been hard for me personally. Um, we're in the heat wave here in the UK. We've spoken to people all over the world who've experienced climate trauma much more profoundly than we have to date. Um, and that has been really tricky to have the kind of humility to listen, not humility, but I don't know. We're so lucky, aren't we? We're so privileged. We wanted to own our privilege. Yeah. Um, and yet it's also incredibly scary to think, wow, these are people going through the catastrophes that we're nervous about um yeah it almost feels like um you know even asking that question how do you parent in a climate crisis when there are parents around the world that have done it for a long time and had to get through and had to survive that already that question is coming from a privileged position I think we both realized that didn't we was along this journey of some of the people that we've spoken to um and for me, one of the highlights was speaking to Professor Salimul Huck from Bangladesh, an eminent climate scientist, a lovely man as well, yeah. who said, you know, we don't want your sympathy. We don't want your charity. We want your solidarity. We want your action. And I thought, wow, that is um, that's so powerful because, um, you know, we don't want to patronize people that have gone through it as well. We just he's saying we need to learn, understand and talk to people that have been victims of the climate crisis and God, that really struck a chord with me. Oh, absolutely. And it's such the right way round to think about it. And I'm ashamed that that, that was kind of a, a wow moment for me as well of thinking, yeah, of course, actually these are extremely innovative people living on the front line of climate change in Bangladesh. Parents, you know, he was discussing some parents being forced to, you know, sell daughters into marriage earlier than they would ordinarily be comfortable with doing or even consider doing. And that's a kind of parental choice that you can't ever imagine having to make. Mm. Um, 
so yeah he he was amazing I mean one of the main things that I think about every day is Miata Fambula from the New Economics Foundation who was saying about I actually had to google the word humanitarian she mentioned that word about being you know community spirited from a community um is that an official word now it's an official word it is a word and she was saying kids kids have an expectation of being part of a community they come through the school system they live in a local community and then only after that do we come individualistic and I've thought about that every single day of thinking yeah our kids know how to be part of a community they understand the fabric of society and community much better than we do Mm. um and I've thought about that every single day after we spoke to her of thinking, how do you, how do we then as adults kind of restitch that sense of community back together? Mm. You know, and she was saying, if there's one thing that she wants to do for her children to prepare them for climate change, it's knit them into a community. Yeah. And I thought, God, that is incredible, isn't it? It's nothing clever or sophisticated. Well, it is clever, it is sophisticated, but you know, what we would consider high tech or whatever, it's just plugging our kids into community. Yeah, and actually, uh, gosh, that so many of the people we spoke to talked about that sense of local and community. Mm. Mitzi mentioned it. Mitzi Tan from yeah. the Philippines, a youth activist, in her episode with us, she said, "You know, start local, think local, approach your community, and then build out through there." And then George Monbiot also mentioned that, didn't he, about how that sense of community will keep you grounded, yeah. and then you can then become a global community. And actually, I think talking to him, to Mitzi. Christiana Figueres also said that, didn't she? Mm. About community, it sort of felt mm. that that things are can be a bit more um, achievable when you want to bring big action if you all get together on a local level and you start to align yourself with you know values that people have that are similar to yours. And it doesn't. It feels like you can kind of bring about change without it being this monumental state of fear. Yeah, well, it's what other people were kind of, I think several people mentioned it also off the back of COVID, you know, when there is a a, a kind of crisis, the people that mm. you do rely on are your your na- neighbours, your immediate neighbours and your friends. And um, I think your Clover, tribe. Clover yeah. mentioned that as well, didn't she, of kind of kids getting that and understanding that. And when there's food, food system collapse or, you know, water shortages, food shortages, systems shortages it will be the people who we live near and next to um but it went back also to that kind of thing that the kids know this better than we do kids appreciate and that's what tim was saying in our very first episode yeah yeah Um, Yeah, tim jackson was saying um they've always got it yeah and actually and i think we both interviewing tim was a real key moment i think for us because obviously we were nervous about recording the first episode with this incredible man that is professor tim jackson um if you don't know more about him then just listen to the first episode and look at the show notes that we've written because he's worked in the climate space for gosh 30 odd years yeah and just knows his stuff um so we decided to start with him which was um not possibly the um well we, it was a tall order wasn't it for us to kind of make sure that we performed and asked all the right questions but he hit hit us back with this incredible poem didn't he yeah like Khalil um Gibran which is um your kids are not your own um and wow I mean that brought tears to my eyes and I think about that every day yeah 
Yeah, do you? I think about that every day as well. When Willem's driving me mad and wants to do one thing and like, oh, Mara, let's do that. I keep on thinking about Tim's voice reading that poem. Your yeah. children know their futures better than you do. The house of the future, which you can't um, access, not even in your dreams. You yeah. know, that thing of actually they do know their futures better than we do. Yeah. And it's such a challenge in this realm of kind of climate breakdown, climate anxiety, the climate crisis, when as parents, we're so absolutely desperate to do anything we possibly can to safeguard our kids' futures, to then have that trust that our kids understand their futures better than we do. And that tension, I think that's also what blew our minds with Tim. Of we, we were like, well, OK, so what are the solutions? How do we, how do we parent <laughs> Tell us everything. Give us a toolkit. I think we've both done that with every guest we've spoken to. Tell us what we need to know. And why did that? Because that's a journalist in us coming out. Yeah. Like, this is what, well, I know I do that more than you. Kind of like, what do we need to know? Let's get there. Thank you very much and goodbye. Um, yeah. But it's not yeah. that easy. And who rocky it was rocky that said um so eloquently rocky Dewani, um that this is a long road and it's a long journey and mm. um we need to hold each other's hands and be positive because it's going to take some time to get there um okay yeah. so what have we learned <laughs> and you know he was also talking about kind of social equality and get being back in our bodies wasn't he I mean which is you know you and I talk about separate to the podcast a lot yeah about how actually effectively we're just animals aren't we and we have all of these clever reactions and intellectualized things but ultimately we are animals and you know he was talking about you know when we were talking about eco-anxiety and panic he was talking about bringing it back dancing finding joy and that's something I've really struggled with really struggled with when my climate anxieties got really bad and I think about Rocky as well every day of him saying how crucial that is because almost you if you've got to inhabit your body again don't you to mm. kind of be in there be grounded um connected to the earth in order to understand it so he really helped me to understand that as well which I'm really grateful for um and some listeners might not know this um but in the middle of our recording, I think around episode six or seven, my mum passed away, mm. which was an incredibly difficult time. And you brilliantly held the fort with the podcast and kept things going. And we had some brilliant guest presenters. So thank you to them for stepping in. Um, but it made me realise, and I'm still going through the grieving process, but some of the reading that I've been doing about grief, and it, and it kind of touches upon what you've said about how um, your mind races ahead when you lose somebody in grief mm. and you know you're thinking about the shock of the loss then the adrenaline of organizing the funeral and, da, 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 and everything else and then you're left with this immense gap and and it's it's horrendous devastating awful tragic and then your body needs to play catch up mm. and then if you don't allow your body to catch up with what your mind's done then that's when you get you know your body starts to fail you, you fall ill or you get depressed and you fall into anxiety and mm. I was thinking about that when we talked about climate anxiety because the brain can go a million miles an hour actually it's every it's, it's the same with post-traumatic stress disorder or postnatal um postnatal yeah, depression depression yeah. thank you mm. where you know your mind has gone somewhere else and your body needs to play catch up and it's only when your body and mind are in sync that you can try and come from a place of acceptance when it comes to grief or you can come to a place of like okay here I am this is the challenge and now what do I do 
together as one and mm. I think a lot of our guests mentioned that didn't they that you've yeah. got to be grounded mentally and physically you've got to be grounded for the tough fight ahead because yeah. the climate crisis is tough in a sense we are grieving something that has already gone with the loss of what's happened you know to our environment but there is hope and there is positivity um and you know I don't yeah. think I think every single person we've spoken to spoke about that grounded mental well-being didn't they yeah without fail and actually it was it was Tim and then George so our first and our last who were talking about that kind of um mental resilience but also those distractions that we throw to to ourselves like we're scared of mortality so we go shopping or yeah. you know we're worried about something so we you know do some reality tv that's oh how oh, funny look at what because we're craving community so we look for solutions in all the wrong places because we're so scared of facing mm. the truth i guess which is just so fascinating when <laughs> i've then been psychoanalyzing myself within those parameters of what we've learned of when things have got too much and i will go and collapse on the sofa and have a glass of wine and watch netflix and thinking wow, we do. We we try and avoid what's happening. We try to avoid difficult conversations with our kids because we just don't know what to say, you know. So, yeah, that has been that's been really interesting learning more about that from our guests. And, all, and also thinking about how Elizabeth Batuti, who mm. has seen firsthand the devastation of climate crisis and David Shukman, who's traveled around the world, mm. two of our guests who we spoke to. Who we said, you know, and, and actually they could quite easily curl up in a ball, couldn't they? Yeah. And not resurface. Um, yeah. But, but you see, don't... Elizabeth's and Elizabeth's determination to keep it about people. You know, mm. she said again and again, this is about people in conferences, um, you know, in scientific people often aren't discussed, and this is about people. This is about mm. people. And then sending my kids to school today in a heat wave, you know, discussion about where kids are safest suddenly you're like holy shit yeah this is about people this is about people this is about our kids what's okay oh, and it, now that you've sworn again by the way pardon? we now have to now that you've sworn again because it's you that does that you know that we have to now tick that box that says explicit I know I'm sorry it's my bad, it's my bad. <laughs> we've been doing this every time we record a podcast and we go back it's Katie I should say yeah. it's got the potty mouth on this yeah, uh, podcast it's, well this is clean this is clean yeah me. this is this yeah. is clean um yeah gosh so many incredible guests we've been whizzing through them um there are so many to mention I keep thinking about Tessa Khan I was just gonna talk about her yeah who you know took time out to chat to us when she's representing all these incredible cases about bringing leaders to account um on the basis of um you know climate inaction which is quite she, extraordinary in legal yeah terms. and I think her advice has been for me, it's been the, the hardest to follow because what she was reminding us of is we are privileged. We're part of a democracy. We have a democratic voice. And I know that what I need to be doing is hitting up my MP, going mm -hmm. to, you know, speak to her. I email her a lot, poor woman. She very rarely responds. Oh, <laughs> um, your MP? My MP, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to say, I get really disillusioned and I think I've got really really lazy on democracy of thinking oh you know these MPs don't represent me but actually we're we are lucky we're so lucky we're so lucky to be part of a, a democracy we're so lucky to have laws that are upheld you know parliamentary scrutiny committee you know nothing's perfect in in our country but we are extremely privileged 
And she kind of reminded us of that. But I think mm. I found that hard to fall back on. I found it really comforting at the time. And I've tried to do the emails to my MP. I've tried to be more politically engaged. But there's something in me that's fighting that all the time of like, this system doesn't work. Mm. But, you know, yeah. But thank you, Tessa. It was a good lesson to learn. It was. Um... Okay, so I'm going to interview you now because that's what I always do. And then you interview me because then that's, you know, our default. How do you parent in a climate crisis, Katie? We need to know the answers now because we've, we've done this for months. We started this journey, gosh, summer of last year when we came up with the idea where you, after your son said to you at bedtime, that very question, mum, will the planet die before I do? And you and I chatted about how, what we can do to answer his question but also how we go about as journalists doing this in a really honest way that's not you know nobody's going to say to us change those change that language or don't call it a climate crisis so that's why we decided to do this podcast on our own off our own backs um with very little money to begin with um but then thanks to our sponsor our partners who have supported us cusp pff and Zero Carbon Guildford, you're all amazing. Thank you, who've basically enabled us to have this conversation of how do you parent in a climate crisis? So as we wrap up series one, we are gonna be back for series two, by the way, everybody, we'll talk about that in a moment, but what have we learned? What have you learned? Oh God, don't, cause I want to cry. I think I've learned that you need to be um, kind. You need to teach your kids about community you need to be honest. Christiana talked about being honest as well, didn't she? Um, I mean, as David Shookman as well also said, you know, for our generation of parents, it's really, really hard. We have the most difficult challenge of any previous generation. There are literally no rules. There's no rules of the game. And what we're living through is absolutely terrifying it's terrifying globally I know we've got listeners in the UK we've got listeners all over the world it's terrifying unilaterally um so the main thing I've learned about how I parent differently since being on this journey is being kind being honest as much as you can kids understand they understand even the smaller kids they understand obviously you've got to make it age appropriate but you can tell them your feelings um, and be part of a community, mm. rely on your community. Things are changing. Things are changing really, really fast. And it's really scary. Yeah. How about you, Babs? I How do you I, parent differently? Oh gosh, I don't, know the, I don't know the answer to that still. That's why we're doing series two, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we still need more answers and we still need to ask some incredible people their views. But for me, what I've learned so far is resilience. If we can teach our kids to be resilient, that is going to be an incredible skill set for them. But also for us as parents to be resilient, that word mm. just kept coming up. So resilience was key for me. Um, and also... Um, what has that meant for you, though? Being resi- I think being strong, like mentally mm. and physically, being resilient, being strong, knowing like, knowing where to go and there being other options and by that I mean for me I think I learned from our guests about um, building 
it's almost like metaphorically, we're building a house together with a sense of community. Mm. So being resilient, talk to your neighbors, talk to people that you don't know, be open, be honest, um, reach out to those that are suffering, have those conversations to people on the other side of the world from you, because mm. you might learn something. And that yeah. is part of resilience. So if you have a little resilient tool, like bag, in there you pop in community, in there you pop in um, conversation, communication, um, making sure that the planet, I mean, yes, it's huge, but it, we're all now becoming global citizens and we can do because technology means that we can hit up people in around the world. So mm. that sense of family. So yeah, resilience, um, community, also learned that um, we are nothing without being grounded mentally and physically for our children. So if we don't have our shit together, uh, there you go. I can tick the explicit box now, Katie. <laughs> said it. But if we don't have our stuff together, then um, we can't be the best for our kids. So yeah. lead by example. That was the other thing. You know, yes, of course, like there will be activism fatigue. Mitzi talked about that didn't she a lot with us about mm. how you know people are gonna kids might not necessarily want to go on their marches but the fact that you've exposed them to that and they've seen you do that means that that's kind of planted a bit of a seed but but also it's the other way around I mean Mitzi was talking about her mum understanding more about activism through her and Clover mm. was talking about that as well wasn't she and the other day actually yesterday Elodie had a birthday party and we had a really nuts weekend and she said to me oh mummy this whole thing about presents is so crazy isn't it and I was like, yeah, it is so crazy. And she was like, mommy, should we just, should we just not do this kind of thing? So I think often these new ideas, these new waves of, of how coming from the kids. change are yeah. coming from the kids. And I think that's another thing, uh, you know, that has been quite confronting of, of thinking actually for our generation, it really is important to be listening to how our children are perceiving this. Yeah. And that reverse mentoring that came up so that, much. Exactly. Yeah talking like listening just listening to them yeah. hearing them out especially when it comes to eco-anxiety just listening to their fears and in any kind of I mean a lot of what yes we're talking about parenting in a climate crisis but a lot of what we're talking about helps to just be a parent doesn't it mm. mental well-being is key because there are going to be challenges in our kids lives um ones like the climate crisis that are so unprecedented but if they are mentally hopefully in a position to deal with lots of different challenges facing them then again they'll be more robust and resilient to deal with it I think yeah but it's hard also in fact Miata another thing I loved her for saying was she was talking about community and how vital it was and then she said but I'm aware that that's really hard I'm a mum of three and actually finding time to be so invested in community is hard mm. and I thought yeah that's actually true and like we're talking about mental well-being I was spinning out this weekend so badly as you know Babs because I called you and cried about the climate crisis, about the heat wave um, and our kids' futures. And what I know from all our guests is we have to find ways of looking after ourselves. Yeah. Actually doing that in practice is it's really, so hard. really hard. What do you do? Have a bath. You know, I, when I actually look at it and think, OK, how am I going to look after myself today? How am I going to look after my emotional well-being? I mean, what walking home from dropping the kids to school... I walked past an elderly neighbour and I knocked on her door this morning and I said, I just want to check how you're doing. 
that was for her, of course, it was also for me because I wanted to feel part of the community. I wanted to feel that sense that we've got our finger on the pulse with each other that living, mm. you know, next to. And I thought actually all of that is part of our mental well-being it when it comes to yeah. the climate crisis. But I, I do find that really, I find that we've talked about that quite a lot, but I'm supremely crap at actually understanding how to do that. So I yeah. think that's my biggest challenge before we start series two of actually trying to take this really seriously of thinking actually this isn't as, as George was saying there are so few of us there are mm. so few people who really seem to be understanding what's happening with the climate crisis motivated to fight we have to look after ourselves it's not something it's not a shirt uh, it's it's vital yeah and it's happening now um so we are going to be back with the second series all being well we are um paddling very hard with our funding model of which we um yeah it's been tricky because obviously doing the podcast like this we have a team behind us um which is Nisha Patel who is brilliant who is helping us to edit and stuff and she deserves to get paid um and you know that's what we want to be doing and also Adam from Landmark Creatives who does our incredible graphics and does all the um social media stuff the socials that we call it um you know we want to carry on doing this conversation and that requires a bit of funding so um we are in the process of sorting that out um and all being well we'll be back with you for a second series we're hoping around autumn time maybe mid-autumn um and you know i, I just want to say that all the guests that we've had on this first series we're blown away by the fact that they've said yes to us Mm -hmm. they were on our wish list um and um i could go through every single one of them but please just go back and have a look at the uh, 12 episodes that we've um curated because there are just some incredible guests people that are very high profile in the climate um crisis conversation and also people that aren't so high profile but have just as much value and meaning to this debate as well um and katie and i wanted to make sure that you know we spoke to lots of different people from around the world from different backgrounds diversity is really key for both of us um socioeconomic backgrounds a global north a global south so um you know i hope you listening to this have felt that too but i think i just want to say that you know we couldn't do this without the support of um i think we've mentioned our partners but also with people listening in so please do feedback to us on what how you think this podcast could be better um and what you'd like to hear more of um and you know any guests that you think that would be great for us to interview them get in touch with us and you can do that in a number of ways we'll add it to the show notes of this episode um but hashtag mum will the planet die is uh, what we've been using on twitter on instagram and on linkedin and on facebook so use that hashtag and we'll we'll troll through all the messages and um you know hopefully connect with you guys but also you can message katie and i directly as well um those details are in the episode notes too um but yes we will be back we want to be back because what we've realized doing this podcast is that there is um clearly a need for parents carers guardians around the world to um have a conversation about how you look after the next generation in this climate crisis so Thank you for supporting us and enabling us to have that conversation and we will do our very best to keep that going and speak to as many people as we can so that we can all unite really. In, I think um, unite is the key and actually yeah, yeah as, as well as how to look after the next generation it's about how to look after ourselves we are facing such a massive 
massive challenge about how to raise our kids when the planet is in a really a really scary um moment and it's absolutely terrifying and I think having a space for parents to um talk about these things in a kind of safe we really really desperately hope that we manage to do this also I'm aware climate anxiety is a really big thing we've hoped you know the episodes have been really helpful um I know I've been triggered left, right and centre this weekend and this week with the with the heat wave. Um, we really want you to feel kind of supported and seen because we're all in this together. You know, we're a global community um, and it's tough. It's tough what we're doing, raising kids now. It's it's really, really tough. But we are. It sounds really twee. I can't believe I'm saying it, but we are stronger together, aren't we? We're stronger working through these things together. And with my friend Babs by my side and our wonderful Nisha, who is watching on, smiling and making us sound much better than we would without her. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> she does all the time. Yeah, thank you. Um, OK, so let's sign off. But say what? What do we say? We'll say we'll be back. Yeah, we'll see you watch in the autumn, space. guys. And yeah, hang tight. Yeah, we're in this together. Mum, will the planet die before I do? is a Corner Shop media production presented and produced by Babita Sharma, Katie Glasborough and edited by Nisha Patel.